What's up, everyone? This is the Go Long Show at GoLong, GoLongTD.com. I'm here with Jim Monas for a Monday recording out of week seven in the NFL season. Jim, we didn't really address your new background there for those that are watching the video. That's impressive. I, I like it. We're, I feel like you're not in a dungeon anymore. We, we were talking to uh, Jim Monas in the dark last time, and now you really uh, you got it looking nice. Tyler, what's happening on a Monday? As we like to say, Monday still fun day in Charleston, South Carolina, which leads to the background a little bit. Um, you know, those are special places to me. I have Charleston in the background with the moon and the palm trees. Folly Beach, little cartoon photo of Folly Beach, South Carolina, where I live, where my son was born. And then the Minnesota Miracle, which can be a little confusing if you can see it in there. I, I have no connection to the Vikings or digs, um, but I am a gambler. And in the gambling world, sometimes you have your worst bad beat of your life, and that would be the Minnesota miracle for me, and I survived it. So I like to keep a memory of that. Um, I had the Saints money line in that game, Tyler. And that was kind of at the time, that was 2000, was that 18, 17? 17. Yes. 17, 18 playoffs, whatever. Um, yeah, there was a big bet for me at the time, and it stung. But you you survive, and now I'm having more fun than ever gambling, so it's kind of one of those, it's a good memory for me now. But anyway, out of the dungeon. But who is in the dungeon, Tyler, might be Sean McDermott. Yeah, he might be in a dungeon trying to figure out what in the hell he can do to turn this thing around because you know he's he's kind of gone about blaming other people here for a while now uh there's there's been coaches gently shown the door uh they've gone through players um even you know after mike gasecki catches that touchdown and hits to gritty the camera kind of panned to sean and boy he lost his mind it's it's always a different sean than you see at the at the podium what's projected at press conferences when he's in the heat of the moment and it's this is really the coach that players and, and coaches will describe to you um, off the record. But, yeah, pretty angry there. I'm guessing he was angry that Taron Johnson didn't have inside leverage. Maybe the fact that he kind of opened the door to Gusecki on that game-winning touchdown. Uh, but I don't know. You know, you can blame players. You can blame coaches. Or you can just take some accountability. I mean, you're the head coach. You're a defensive-minded head coach. You call the plays. You script the game plans. And Mac Jones, a quarterback, absolutely left for dead. A team in the New England Patriots, absolutely left for dead, went right down the field, knife through butter, just like the Kansas City Chiefs did in the 13-second game. Um, that's an indictment on you, Sean McDermott, through and through 100%. So, I don't know. If you're, if you're going to be mad at somebody, maybe it's time to look in the mirror. So a couple things on that agreed about, I didn't, he didn't, he didn't say anything in the press conference, correct? After the game about, no, he any, never says anything. No, right. Same old. Yeah. Just, so I didn't hear it. So I just wanted to check before I spoke about it, but the, I love Teron Johnson. You can never point. I hate, you never blame one play. You don't think about, you can't blame a player. It happens. Whatever he was taught to do, if he didn't do it, they'll, they'll fix that in, inside. It's a tough one, but games never come down to one play. And I can't think of any successful head coach that I've been around that would say that one play cost us the season, the game. It hurts. 
But there are so many things that led up to that. It goes back to your original point. They were left for dead, according to us on the outside that watched them. Us that gamble on Mac Jones, who I've never seen a more inept. What he did last two weeks ago, taking that safety, that cost anybody that bet them, including yours truly, a lot of money. That's the that's stupid. That's the gambling stuff. But to your point, Mac Jones isn't doing anything right. All of a sudden, he has his game. They didn't run the ball every play. They didn't, I didn't, you know, you didn't know what you were going to expect. But you know one thing, Tyler, I was going to say about us on the outside saying they're left for dead. That's us on the outside. On the inside, when you're fighting in midseason like this, you're professional, you work too hard, you don't give up until you're mathematically eliminated. That's cliche, but it's true. Every year I was with Buffalo, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. The, the record midseason was around this sometimes. Four and three, three and four, two and five, you know, four and four, whatever it is midseason. We still thought we could win a Super Bowl. I mean, we might have had Kyle Orton. We might have, you know, we had Tyrod, Kyle Orton, Jeff Toll. I mean, I'm just telling you, whoever it was, we looked at our rankings on defense and we saw that we were a Super Bowl defense caliber with Jim Schwartz, with Mike Pettin. And we believed, like, we still believe with that defense, if we could get something going on offense, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't give up, basically. Other teams were probably looking at us like they couldn't wait to play us. The Bills are terrible. They can't protect the quarterback. All this, all the stuff you hear. But we were fighting. The coaches fight. The players fight. They don't give up, Tyler, until it's over. And even then, they don't give up because they're playing for their jobs and they're putting themselves on film. Every game is a resume. And that's why I always try to say there's no fixing games. There's no throwing of games. There's no illegal stuff going on with players. I don't ever believe that because they're fighting for their jobs. Officials, that's a different story if you want to get into that. <laughs> but to my point, the Patriots were still fighting, and they showed up. And the Bills, you could tell to me, are fighting right now. They're fighting through whatever they're going through. They're trying to figure out a rhythm on offense. And you brought that up last week on the pod. What kind? You can't just turn your running game on and off. And I like how you said that because it is something that once you – they can't just establish it. And that's where I see them now fighting. What do you want to look like on offense? Because the unfortunate thing right now is you're going to have to score. Because the way this defense is injured, and I'm not going to use injuries as an excuse, but the way they are, the way they are playing before the injuries, and we talked about this last week on the pod, if you don't stop the run and don't get off on third downs, you're living dangerously. And it caught up to them this week for sure. Almost perfect timing. If you, and you're not creating turnovers enough, this is what happens. Now you're in shootouts, and anything's possible in a shootout. Yeah, I want to get into all of the above because yeah. there are so many directions we can really go here, Jim. Um, I, let, let's just start with something basic to the sport of football, right? Being up for a game, having the energy, not sleepwalking, not looking like a bunch of zombies. That's kind of how the Bills have looked now for three weeks. Back to London, back to that Jacksonville game, first half, it just doesn't resemble anything remotely close uh, to the Bills of the last five, six years. It, it, re it resembles the worst of the drought days. You know, be before you even got there, long before, I mean, there were games when the Bills 
the balls kicked off and it's kind of a pathetic viewing experience. It looks like guys just are going through the motions and that's the initial feeling, but, and maybe this is the pro player, you know, bone in my body's kind of coming out here, but uh, I think it's coaching. <laughs> like whether it, it, I'm not saying he needs to stand in the locker room and give this rah, rah, win one for the Gipper kind of speech. It's just, it looks like a team kind of exhausted, worn down, tired, just almost like they've been going so hard 24, seven, 365. It could be a practice in the middle of May. And this is a head coach, the way he's wired to just go hard all the time. It's what you hear. Um, you've, you can't just push and push and push and push year round like that. I'm, you know, I, we're trying to figure out why the bills look the way they do. That could be a reason, right? They're just an exhausted football team here. They, they look like a team that already played a full season. To me, that's an indictment of coaching. And that's before you even really get to the defense and the game plans. And yes, they're down Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, Tredavious White. Guess what? The New England Patriots were down Matthew Judon, Josh Uche, Christian Gonzalez. All teams have injuries, including the one that was on the field with you in Foxborough. And guess what? Bill Belichick pressured Josh Allen 41% of the time. The players said it after the game. To beat the Bills, to beat Josh Allen, you got to get pressure interior, up the gut. That's what they did. They forced him to scramble. They forced him to run. Um, Josh Allen being Josh Allen, he still made a hell of a lot of plays. He's the reason they were even in the game, right? And now we're kind of getting in the weeds offensively, but that's why I've been saying just just run the ball. You're playing a bad football team. Just hand the ball off to James Cook, to Latavius Murray. You know, get the hell out of there with a win while your offense figures out what they even are going to be. Um, instead, I think they ran the ball to backs 17 times on 66 plays. And so you kind of play into Bill Belichick's trap in that regard. So that's where Sean McDermott is out coached too. And look, people can blame Ken Dorsey all they want which is just silly to me. Like he's the offensive coordinator. Sean is the head coach. It's any head coach of any football team. They're not just locking themselves in a dungeon when it's the offense is on the field. Like he's the one in charge. So that's an indictment of him as well. It's just having, we hear all the time about complimentary football. Well, that's a coaching thing. It was all a miss for the bills. So whether how they looked, whatever kind of energy they have right now to the game plan against a bad team. And you're right. I mean, I just pulled up Mac Jones's numbers. It just bears repeating the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, they, they beat the, they beat the jets. You know, he completes half of his passes, you know, it's just uh, kind of a sad football game, but they, they beat the jets. And then after that, Mac Jones is 12, 21 for 150 yards with two interceptions and they lose 38 to three to Dallas the next week, 12 of 22, 110 yards, two interceptions, a lost fumble, and they lose 34, nothing to the new Orleans saints. And then you have the safety play, the loss to the Raiders mm. when he actually did have that throw dropped by Devonte Parker late mm. in the game, but still he only threw for 200 yards on 33 attempts with another interception. So, 
I mean, you could make the case that of all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, Mac Jones into this game against the Bills was playing worse than anybody. I mean, my God, they're talking about Malik Cunningham, right? This undrafted athlete maybe getting snaps. And so and that's how bad it's really gotten. And they've, they've, oh, I kind of buried the lead. They benched Mac Jones twice already through that stretch. So I guess, you know, I think, I think the question here too, Jim, is I'm not there yet because of Allen, because of Diggs, because you still have the two most important players on the team healthy that can win a shootout. You know, I, I'm not ready to declare this a lost season. But the question is, is this just an average team with an average defensive mind for a head coach? I don't think it's an average team, but I'm starting to wonder if this is just kind of a an average defensive mind. Because a, a really elite defensive mind, they find a way to work through injuries and beat Mac Jones and Mike Gusecki and Ramondi Stevenson in this offense that's been pathetic most of the season. They they find a way to win that game. Um, I just, you know, I think fans today, they're trying to figure out what to blame for this. And that's what we're trying to do here. And there's a lot of directions you can go, but I'm just really taking seven years into consideration here. And the fact that we've seen a lot of other people blamed. What did you hear after 13 seconds? Execution. Execution. Code for the players screwed up, not me. Well, as we wrote then, and as we've learned even more since then, that 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 is an incorrect uh, conclusion. If, if 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 players are to play, it wasn't on the players. It's on the head coach. The head coach is still standing, and this is a bad bad loss. They're lucky to be four and three, still in the mix in a muddled AFC with another hobbling offense on tap in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just rewatched Tampa Bay Atlanta. Honestly, I wish I hadn't. It was difficult to watch. So, I mean, if you let Baker Mayfield in the Bucs the way they're playing right now, kind of waltz into town and win, I, I don't know. I'm tired of talking about get right games because mm. they, if you don't, before you know it, you're going to be the get right game for other teams. I'm, I can't stop laughing how you said that about Atlanta, Tampa. I, I always get a little, my stomach like, Guessing not before I hit play on a game I'm going to watch because I just I'm like, do I really want to watch this game? I already know it's going to look ridiculous. Two quarterbacks that just whatever. Um, To your point, the other reason this Tampa game is without question. No, it's a Thursday night at home. The Bills have the biggest advantage. I I stress that all the time right now, especially midseason. These teams are now that you think Tampa's dying to come up here right now. Unfortunately, I saw the weather looks decent, so they're not going to like run in any of that, you know, but whatever, that doesn't matter. Go back to the injury stuff. Um, Yeah, we're getting that out of our, that's not about the injuries, Tyler, but what I would say on defense is, are they going to have to find a way to start different, um, different packages, different uh, combinations of players, different, whatever they have to do right now. I think on defense, it's time to get creative. To me, when I watch them, they look small, small. Matt Milano is not big, but he plays bigger than his size. These other linebackers now that I see out there, Williams, uh, he plays Bernard. Small. Bernard, they're small. They can't stop the run. We, we talked about that last podcast. The defensive line, they got to get after the quarterback. 
it's invested. How many, how many times, Tyler, have we talked about this D-line, the investment they've made? I keep hearing about how great everybody's playing on the D-line. Better start, better step up. Everybody needs you right now. And the reason I don't think injuries at Trey White and Matt Milano, who are clearly two of the best at their position in the NFL, it doesn't matter because it's all about pass rush anyway. Name any linebacker or corner combo in the NFL that you're concerned about if they get hurt. You just say, well, that's tough luck. Now, if Khalil Mack gets hurt, if TJ Watt gets hurt, we're talking. Those are the Mahomes, Josh Allens of defense. TJ Watt's Mahomes. Like it's just no, it's the most clear thing I've ever watched in football. By the way, I love that Steeler win yesterday. Um, but anyway, I, you see what I'm saying? No excuses for the injuries, Bills. You have your healthy Von Miller. I, where is he? Where all? Where? Where is the investment on the D line at this point? I'm not worried about offense still, Tyler. Just to touch on that, I know I said it last week too. I'm, I I get it. They're fighting right now. It doesn't look the same. Um, and like you said, we don't need to get into the weeds, but just that first interception, why, why he couldn't just take that check down in the flat, you know, it's a high, low route. It's frustrating, but Jabril peppers, he's not jumping that flat like that. He wasn't close enough. You could have completed that pass. He went for, he went for the corner route. Peppers had peppers has great ball skills. It's one of the only things he can do. He can't cover. He's a linebacker with great ball skills and he made a nice pick. Anyway, point being is. There's your franchise quarterback on the first play of the game. That's a completion for five yards. So, you know, I don't want to blame Dorsey for that. And, and I'm obviously Josh Allen, everybody makes mistakes. But we talked about that early in the season. We thought he got rid of it, came up a little bit. But how about the roll? How about the play when he just runs to the left and just hits, I mean, hits digs in stride? Yeah. You know, I'm just saying those are the plays that you're like, nobody else can make those plays. So we're not going to worry about the offense too much. I am with you. I can't figure out why they can't come out with more of a established, you know, with Cook and Murray and just give a heavy dose of it. See what happens. Because I think you kind of made your bet in the offseason with the offense you envisioned being. They they could have, you know, they did sign receivers, Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield. Maybe you should just use those guys more often. But when they, they drafted Dalton Kincaid, Clearly, they had these two tight end sets in their mind, right? Brandon Bean is with the Carolina Panthers when they've got Greg Olson and Jeremy Shockey. And I remember talking to, to both of those tight ends about, about that year, right? They they went with these two tight end sets. Um, I mean, that was the Bill Belichick genius with Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez. You can do a lot of different things. So it, it works, right? We I mean, schematically, we that, that, that's we had, um, we right. Right, you had I mean, New Orleans. always had a tight end combo. It was always stressed. It was always. I, I I haven't been around an offensive coach that doesn't love tight ends. Like the, I, I mean, we're pumping up the, the the book. I mean, it was such a hard shift away from what they were. I don't think a team yeah. used um, two tight end sets like less than Buffalo in 2022. I mean, they were really toward the bottom of that list, right? They, they wanted to spread you out. And then and when they're at their best in 2020, it's Beasley in the slot. John Brown uh, digs, obviously. Isaiah, I mean, you've got just four or five guys spread out. So I, I kind of understood it in the moment. Like, okay, we need to be a physically tougher football team. And, and we got to be able to run the ball a little bit. 
And when you've got those two tight ends out there, it gives you that ability in theory, but A, they're not really trying to run that much right now. B, that's the most we saw of Dalton Kincaid, you know, the entire season, and he showed some stuff, but it's the middle of the season. And then Dawson Knox had a bad drop. So it's you're not getting the production that you really want out of those tight ends, out of that vision. Um, it's like a team offensively that is crisis is a strong word because I'm with you at the end of the day, Allen Diggs, not overly concerned, but they're, they're kind of working through it. They're fighting through it and they're not getting any help out of a defense that made a huge decision in the off season in Sean McDermott taking over play calling. And it was, you know, trumpeted and celebrated by just about everybody as a great shift, as a great change. And I mean, Leslie Frazier took a lot of shit from a lot of people, fans, media, everyone like <laughs> Leslie Frazier has been in the NFL a long, long time, you know, regular season, their defense looked a hell of a lot better than they, they have the last couple weeks with him running the show. And Oh, by the way, they've dealt with some injuries from time to time too. This isn't to like put Leslie Frazier up on a pedestal as, you know, as a football God, but, I think it was a little misplaced in the moment and it certainly is misplaced now to think like he was a problem. Like that is what's separating this team from a Super Bowl. Like it was, it was foolish. It really wasn't. Um, Yeah. So I think I'm with, I think we're in agreement, like defensively, something has to change. I mean, you kind of hit on it like schematically. I mean, it's a, a matter of throwing some funky looks at teams, trying something different. I mean, Von Miller, in theory, is the answer, right? Like, he looked great last year before his injury. Well, what's he doing this year? I He's he's barely played. Here's well, a snap and, count. And, yeah, coming off, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, we don't – it's not really him, but we were hearing about – 20 snaps, 27 snaps, and then only six snaps yesterday. So, uh, he's clearly not himself. I mean, you're not getting $20 million worth out of him this year, which is what he's getting paid. He's the 10th highest paid edge rusher in football thinking about how you touched on them looking um, lethargic coming out of the game. A couple of years ago when we started this podcast, we always talked about they just dominated the first half, came out and just put their stamp on you. It was a machine. Now it, it's just become so different on offense. They're fighting, clearly just fighting harder and harder than they used to. But I do think everything's okay on all, like we were saying. I just I'm with you on the tight end thing. At first, I was thinking, was this like the Falcons where they drafted Pitts and they don't use them? But now you see Pitts is coming around a little bit. But Kincaid has talent. It's that's not the issue. And it goes back to what you're saying, scheme wise, figuring things out, how they're going to call whatever they're trying to figure out right now. But my my point of that lethargic thing, I was wondering about the postseason is this team's goal, and it gets long and it gets hard, and they want that Super Bowl. But you you have to get to the playoffs first. And when I look today, they're the seventh seed right now, um, which you know, hey, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just out, just for a talking point. But they're fighting. They they need us. It's officially time to fight to make the playoffs. Had to plug in the old laptop there for those looking. <laughs> We're no. good. No, yeah, you're right though. Uh, you said, and, yeah. They're just fighting now to make, you know, they have to make sure, take care of business, start figuring this out. But what we talked about is still ahead of them, the postseason and being as healthy as you possibly can for that postseason run. Is that going to be what they're doing with Von Miller? Are, are we making sure he's 
ready for this next push, this second half of the season to, to, you know, get right and use this as your, really your primer for the postseason. That urgency probably sets in pretty soon, right? You're four and three. Uh, you know, I guess it helps that Miami lost to Philadelphia. I mean, and you've got, I don't, maybe it's too early to be thinking down yeah. those lines, but it's, yeah. there should be a, little urgency to to want Von Miller out there when your defense needs and, a spark, and Todd, needs somebody who scares the offense. But you could cliche it up that the get right game is this week. There is a night at home. There is no better time to just come out and just hey everybody, let's take a breather. Let's put it. Let's let's beat a Tampa team that we should beat. I'm not gonna say it. nothing's easy in the NFL. I'm not saying that. But they should win this game. This is your game to win. It's a short week. To, anytime you have that home game on a Thursday, it's your game to win. Too hard on Sean. You know, I I think that if he does seem kind of central to some problems here, particularly late game execution. Imagine if, right, they call that flag on Darren Waller last week or that goes differently. I mean, you had Tyrod Taylor go right down the field on your defense at the end of the game too. So Tyrod Taylor, Mac Jones, back-to-back weeks have those kind of drives and that kind of moment. Late game moments have been this head coach's Achilles heel. It's why we've made, I've made that Marty Schottenheimer comparison. Uh, John Fox, you know, there's, there's some good defensive coaches who are unable to get over the hump. Unable to win a championship. And I, it, it's a mentality for, for a lot of these guys. They don't have that killer instinct, right? Like, you know, and knowing, you know, when to go for it, when not to go for it. Just, just shut the door. Because look, they, they, he, he takes chances now defensively as a play call. You saw it in Jacksonville with that blitz on Trevor Lawrence. But guess what? There's Calvin Ridley one on one with Micah Hyde. He makes the throw, it's game over. There's just like he's just missing that finishing touch, and and it's 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 nothing new, you know. Twenty nineteen Texans wild card blow the sixteen nothing lead. Twenty twenty AFC Championship game ran off the field. Twenty twenty one thirteen seconds inconceivable to proportions. Nobody will forget in Western New York and. 2022. I mean, the, the snow globe game against Cincinnati, Tawan Jones put it best deer in headlights. Got everybody just kind of in a, in a gaze and a haze. Nobody was really up for it. Um, you know, interesting privately, I'd heard that Sean was pulled a reporter aside and, you know, was really stressing how much the DeMar Hamlin situation weighed on his team mentally and was exhausting and that he just had nothing left. That which could be true. I mean, Demar Hamlin's could could have died on a football field. His heart stopped on a football field. He was brought back to life. It was we've never seen that before. And to navigate through that is admirable. And he deserves all the credit for guiding the team through that. Um, but you also had players. Like we've said on here, players are a different breed. There was a lot of guys that wanted to even play in that game, which is wild. But that's just how they approach it, and they. Football went on, life went on, and I, I I found that to be somewhat of a cop-out to just say, well, you know, we just had nothing left. I mean, when you get to the nitty-gritty football substance of that game, 
they were outmatched, outclassed in, in every way. I, I don't think we could just kind of write that game off either. So you're, my point being, you're looking at season to season to season to season, same story, lack of a finishing touch. And to, to see it against a Mac Jones and a Patriots offense that was playing this poorly and not necessarily Mahomes, Burrow, I get why Bills fans are pissed off today. They should be pissed off. And it's encouraging that fans are demanding more than a division banner to hoist. Like this is a it's a window that can come and go in a in a hurry. They should be demanding more when Josh Allen's your quarterback and Stefan Diggs is your receiver. It only lasts so long. Um, so yeah, Tampa Bay coming to town. You better take care of Baker Mayfield and the Bucks if you're Buffalo. Those boo birds will be out, and justifiably so, if the Bucks are uh, the knife through butter. What if when we talk about Sean, it's not the XO for me? I'm wondering, you, you see that he and Dave will have that, that friction relationship. He and Leslie Frazier. He and – you see what I'm saying? There's always a common – is Dorsey – is the Dorsey and McDermott get along? You're the head coach. Your coordinators and assistant coach hires. That's that's your biggest thing. Like you can't. Those shouldn't be issues. You shouldn't have friction with those guys because at some point, I think you have to look in the mirror because you're hiring them. And those should be. I, I always say when you see Sean Payton's staff, you see the loyalty. You see him take guys from New Orleans to Denver. I see. I see Joe Vitt behind Sean Payton. Joe Vitt retired years ago from the NFL, but he's doing something right now for Denver. I'm not sure what, but I love that. I love that there's those guys that you have right, your right-hand man as a coach. You have to have somebody as a coach that you trust because it's hard to trust people. We dealt with that on the personnel side for Doug Whaley as a GM. It's hard to trust people below you because people want your jobs. And if you're losing assistance year in and year out and you're switching coordinators and the quarterback likes one quarter, you know, one coordinator better, does the quarterback get along with the head coach? That's your job as a head coach. So my thing is more, is Sean structuring this thing correctly? I don't think it's XO. He knows XO. That's proven. Sean runs Super Bowl caliber defenses. Sean knows all that. Off the charts, I think, XO stuff. Maybe it's... Is he putting himself, is he surrounding himself with the right staff? That's where I'm Beautifully at. said. It's strange to see a winning football team with Josh Allen at quarterback lose assistant coaches to lateral jobs. And it's happened more than once, which speaks to a less than ideal workplace environment for a coaching staff. You just don't see it. Assistant coaches, they they leave, but it's because they want to get interviews. They want to get promoted. They want to become coordinators or head coaches. And um, there seems to be a lack of a lack of good productive relationships with this Buffalo staff over the last six seven years that you see on other teams. You saw it with the Saints. I saw it with the Packers covering them. Um, you know, it's funny. Like Mike Mike McCarthy was not without his, his fault. He did win a Super Bowl. And they did have really good assistance. And the only problem really was like his thing was, look, if you're under contract, you've got that security. He did not want, he did not like firing people, just coaches. He wanted, he wanted that continuity to your point. 
it, it drove fans a little batty, right? When Dom Capers is just getting uh, harpooned by Colin Kaepernick and the read option in 2012 and again in 2013 and the NFC Championship in 2014 and the Cardinals OVT loss in 15. NFC Championship loss to the Falcons, giving up 44 points. And six. Like, they had some brutal playoff losses, but they, they they had the continuity. What kind of upset some of those assistances, they were blocked. They weren't able to interview uh, for other jobs. So that was kind of like the the, the mm-hmm. give and take there for their staff where yeah, this, is, this is not normal. Uh, and it's – I'm not sure how long the honeymoon period lasts, right, when you have a 17-year playoff drought. I think that period has expired. Um, and like I said, that's a credit anecdotally, right? I'm just talking to family, to friends, to these diehard fans around, and um, they're unhappy. And I, I I hear them loud and clear, and I, I couldn't agree more with their unhappiness. I think it's justified. And that's a really good point on differentiating X and, X's and O's from like those other six days of the week, you know, and, and just working together. And the one thing I will say, too, in my opinion, for if Sean can handle being a head coach and calling the defense, I definitely think he can. I don't think that's too much. I've been around Andy Reid and Sean Payton winning Super Bowls, calling offenses. The, what the coordinators do, like they need their – if you're going to call the defense, then whoever his right-hand man is, is preparing You know, pretty much the – the call sheet and how he wants, you know, and Sean knows what he's going to call, but that's how it works on offense. Like Pete Carmichael for New Orleans would prepare the, however you want to call it, the play sheet. Sean Payton then rolls with it. Y- yeah. You can do both. That's your baby. It's your baby. You know it inside and out. Well, a good uplifting podcast for the Bills fans seeking out. <laughs> seeking still, out. You know, I'm still no, I know you're in, you're in. I'm still in with, I, because Tyler, I'm going to keep saying it. The more football I watch, the lack of quarterback play is maddening as a gambler. It's hard to find good quarterbacks, let alone one of the best. <laughs> so as long as he's playing, I'm believing. Agreed. And, and we, we've had similar shows, you know, right? The, 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 the recording after the wind game was an all timer <laughs> for sure. Um, Hell, I can remember a couple of years ago when they were just walloped by the Colts at home, declaring the Bills a soft finesse football team. They turned it on at the right time at the end of that season, and that's the same season that Josh Allen got on that postseason heater, and they were ruined by the 13-second execution, overtime execution, and they we're not hosting that AFC championship game. So a lot can change a lot, a lot. It's a long, 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 long ass season. A lot can change. So, but all, all certainly in, like I said, this is pretty much every team right now in the NFL. Like if you think, if you don't think every team is battling going through it right now, maybe not Kansas City. Kansas City's having some fun. Those dances in the suites. I'm all for Taylor Swift and Mahomes, wife. I'm good with it. Doesn't ruin my experience. I think it's fun. Because you know why? They're out there beating the brakes off teams. And their their girlfriends and wives are celebrating. That's what a good high school football team does. Your girlfriends are hanging out on the sideline and you're pounding, you're beating your team 50 to nothing at half. 
at the Chiefs. I don't know. I kind of prefer the uh, post-touchdown camera shot in the booth of Matt Canada over Taylor Swift, myself. That We were getting a lot of those in Steelers-Rams. Give me some Canada reaction. I don't need to see Taylor Swift. He's. I think Canada is going to be a head coach next year somehow. Something's going on because I can't watch their offense. It's unwatchable. But yet they're winning. They're four and two. Four and two. And I couldn't love them more. I told you I was invested in them yesterday and it was hard. He, uh, real quick on the Steelers. I mean, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens <sighs> have this rapport that a lot of t- like t- a lot of court, a lot of bad quarterback play, a lot of offenses going through their struggles. We wrote about it last week after um, I talked to Press Taylor. Right. And in week six, it was a historic offense. In fact, if my connection's good, we should pull up some of those numbers here because it, it kind of blew my mind. So this is week six, but it, it is kind of speaking to the the bigger problem. So 18.4 points is what teams averaged offensively in week six. You've got to go back to week 15 of the 2014 season to see something as low as that. That was 18.2. Only two teams in week six scored at least 27 points. That was the Jaguars and the Dolphins. That's crazy. The the fewest since 1995. The last time that 10 teams won a game with 21 points or less was 1993. 23 teams in all scored 20 points or less in that week, the most ever. Quarterbacks combined for a passer rating of 78.6. The worst in seven years. So, you know, all of these rules are rigged toward the offense. There's there's flags thrown in ridiculous fashion every week. Oh, yet brutal. And brutal. please subscribe to read that story if uh, you're not a subscriber to go along, which a lot of you are, which I greatly, greatly appreciate. Thank you so much. But for those who just listen to this uh, flagship podcast and are thinking about subscribing, I think that article will be worth it because Press Taylor, Jaguars OC. He really broke down why, uh, you know, how defensive line play is better than it's ever been. How basically every offensive line is going to be overmatched to some degree. He even brought up like Evan Neal with the Giants, like college ball to pro ball. The difference for the line has never been that wide of a discrepancy. And, you know, you're forced to nickel and dime your way down the field. Teams are obsessed with taking away the big play. He, he gets into everything. So I just think like if you're the Steelers and it's, it's ugly, it's ugly in a lot of places, but it's ugly for the Steelers, but you've got a good thing and Pickett and Pickens. You saw it again against the Rams. He sees the George Pickens is on as one-on-one matched up and he's not thinking twice. It's an, it's an alert. It's a check. He's back shouldering it deep to Pickens and all it takes is two or three big plays in the game. TJ Watt, the Mahomes on defense, as you alluded to, hijack that football game with a pick to set up one touchdown. You know me to a fault. I'm probably going to be in on the Steelers and ugly football from time to time when it's when ugly football is done. Right. So, and it's just a weird year. It's a weird year for offense. What's crazy is about that. I didn't know those stats that you put there for week six. What's funny is it was historically big on the unders and gambling over unders. It was like 12 to one to the unders because nobody was scoring. That's like historic to your point. And then the next thing about um, the, the Steelers, they are, you're Seinfeld, right? Um, oh, absolutely. 
The Steelers are the bizarro world chiefs. <laughs> Mahomes is TJ Watt, so the defense is your star. And 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 good luck on defense. You know, Spags is getting it done this year, but we've seen some stuff in the past with the Chiefs defenses where they were giving up a lot of points. That Steeler offense is hard to watch, but you're right. They have a they can throw to it, they can throw a jump ball. That guy is he is tough. I mean, he is Pickett. I'm 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 wondering if he's Bortles. I need to study him more. It's yeah, it's like the Steelers are uh sitting around the apartment reading for fun, right? That that's when uh Elaine walked in on the Bizarro Seinfeld friends, and they're just sitting around reading books and yeah, your defense is the star, not your quarterback. It's TJ Watt. Man. Yeah, it's uh it's an interesting team. And I'm gonna spend a little bit of time around the Steelers, I think, uh, this coming month to dive into that bizarro world, right? Because there's nothing really like it. There That's, isn't. Ask any gambler how hard it is to bet on their games, but you come away happy. But it is a tour. It's like the worst, whatever the worst roller coaster you've ever been on. And kind of betting on them it's is like, a stomach. Ugh. It's like the zipper at the county fair, the Cat County Fair. You can't. This actually you, happened to me in high school. This, you know, remember the zipper? It's the thing you get in, and it kind of spins itself, and then it's on like a bigger spinner, and it's rotating. So I'm <laughs> right. Growing up in uh, Salamanca, going to high school at Ellicottville. Um, not a lot going on down there, but that's why I loved it. Right. It is. It was great. I'd, I'd move back to the sticks if we could. Uh, but yeah, go go to the Cat County Fair for fun. And we, we me and my buddy, Bobby Meyer, he was the tight end on our football team. He had to have been like six, four, six, five, huge. We get into the zipper. I don't even know how he fit into it. Like he just, it's like all crammed in with his limbs. So we're on this thing, right. And the, and the carnies are setting it up and they're chewing tobacco and you know, yeah, I don't really need to describe a carny. You can picture what a carny looks like. Uh, not the safest environment. So we're in the zipper and all of a sudden, like little screws started coming out of it. Like three or four different screws came out of it. And we're like, we're going to die. We're, we're going to die here at the Cat County Fair in the zipper. It was it was nice knowing you. But um, we get off safely. I informed the carny that that particular car that we were in had screws coming out of it. I don't think he fixed it. I, I Honestly, I don't think he cared. So that's. You know, betting on the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're in the zipper and screws are falling out. Miserable. I, but it's thrilling, right? It's fun. You're still, you're still gonna have a good time in the end, maybe. I yes, if you won, if they cover. Can we finish with just a little NFL officiating talk? Because it was, it was really bad. I mean, I feel like we say that every week, but good lord, it was bad. I'm going to agree with you and let you touch on the officials. And the last thing I want to touch on, and you do the officials after this quick, I want to touch on Tyrod Taylor. And I'm so upset at myself. Pronounce the Bears, the quarterback for the Bears from Shepard, who I love the piece. I love Division II football. But funny how those two quarterbacks were able to put up yards and get off passes and be playmakers for supposedly, quote-unquote, the worst offensive line play in the history of football. Daniel Jones and Justin Fields look in the mirror. All right, Tyler, speak on the officials because I agree with you on what you're going to say. They, You know I don't like talking about officials. I refuse to, but it's it's not right what's going on. 
Well, we don't have to shift over quite yet because that's a great point by you, Jim. Tyson Badgett, right? Did I say that. Badgett, yeah, he right. is man. I, I was. Yeah, I want. Like, I can't wait to. I don't. I can't wait to watch him. To be honest with you, study him this week. I mean, him and Tyrod Taylor, they've got to be an offensive line coach's dream. They're just, especially Tyrod, he's hitting the back foot, ball's getting out, out. moving down the field. Yeah, he had the the big screw up there at the end of the half against Buffalo. That cost him. But it's a different offense with him than Daniel Jones. I'm sure the Giants aren't going to entertain that question with what they have invested in Daniel Jones. They did only put up 14 points. I don't want to get carried away yeah that's true i don't want to get <laughs> carried true. away but it looked but you don't have the catastrophic plays the sacks the fumbles the interceptions the you know when you we're talking about how hard it is to move the ball down the field and score like one sack just nukes a drive it's a great point right i mean said it before the bears should have traded justin fields when they had the chance after that commander game and now watch, they're going to win some football games. Watch Carolina go on like a little run and somebody else will get Caleb Williams. All right. The reps. And you're right. It's not fun. This isn't something we want to do, right? We don't want to sit around here and bitch about the refs. Nobody likes to. Nobody enjoys to. But we have to. I think that's the only way that anything can possibly change is like, well, this is a boutique website podcast. Go long. I get it. But like, maybe it takes every outlet, mainstream, boutique, pod, like anything, anything, just pointing this out the next day. Because the NFL knows by and large, everybody will just move to the next shiny object. Monday Night Football, Vikings, Niners, Kirk Cousins, Shanahan, you know. Fun graphic, fun teaser. Maybe a maybe they even work in a little movie promo when they preview the game on ESPN and Peyton and Eli, they have a good old time. Like we can't forget that the officials are as bad as I this isn't being a prisoner of the moment. I think the officiating right now in 2023 is as bad as it's been since the replacement refs in 2012. And Lance Easley is signaling touchdown Golden Tate. I was there. I think it was Quest Field at the time covering that one. I remember I had to file a story at the gun, like for online. So I saw that Russell Wilson threw this Hal Mary and it was completed. And I literally had to hit like send to my editor and then rush down to the locker room to get quotes. I didn't really, until I got, to, I didn't know until I got to the locker room and saw the players coming in and throwing towels and swearing and going nuts. Like what the hell happened? But it's it's awful. It's I mean we can go go. Everybody saw football over the weekend, but the Colts just absolutely jobbed against the Browns. The uh, illegal contact penalty negating a sack fumble to force Buckner ending that game. I mean he wins the game, ends the game, and it's such a ticky tack call that shouldn't have been called. And then a defensive pass interference on an uncatchable ball places the ball at the one, the Browns run it in last night. I mean, the Eagles were the better team. They were, that's why I wrote about them in, in our column today. Like they, they showed me a lot, showed everybody a lot. I love the uh, ruthless simplicity to what Nick Sirianni does with the tush push with 
getting AJ Brown, using AJ Brown. There's a lot to love with, with the Eagles. The Dolphins were also penalized 10 times and the Eagles weren't penalized at all. And I don't know how James Bradbury is called for a hold in the Super Bowl on Juju Smith-Schuster and isn't called for that face mask against Miami. I mean, the most obvious face mask that you can see. Kirsten Wilkins roughing the passer. Uh, just another absolutely brutal call. It was very, you don't see it one-sided to that degree. I mean, it was really one-sided. Usually there's like bad calls kind of both ways. Pick your game. I mean, Bill's Patriots, awful. I mean, Josh Allen, got to be praising him so much on this show. Like, he's flopping like he's a European soccer player. It's pathetic for a 6'5", 247-pounder to be just jerking his neck back as much as he does to draw these flags. But you know what? I don't even blame Josh Allen because that's what the league asks for. If you're going to throw these flags all over the place and roughing the passer, of course you're going to sell it to get 15 yards, and he did again. So it, it's bad across the board, this officiating. And to, I, I'm not sure what changes it. You know, Brett Favre got into this on a show a couple weeks ago. Like He's like, you know, in, ter in terms of like the league siphoning out violence, um, that's not going to change. I mean, they're going to throw flags with that on the mind. And the rule books become so bureaucratic and so thick with nonsensical rules. And like you almost can't even blame the officials because they're trying to follow these abstract mm -hmm. rules that don't really make much sense. And it's all in the name of player safety in quotes. And it's, it's a mess. And I don't even know how you fix it. And, and Farr's point was like, look, the players themselves, um, that they're, they're getting paid a lot of money. Like they might, they're they're going to complain to an extent, like right. They're they're going to get paid. They're going to benefit from this to an extent. I, it almost just takes fans uproar to maybe put a dent into this at all, and I don't think that it really will. Do you? New. No. I. I told you I hate it. I hate it. I don't disagree. I just refuse to. I almost block them out of my mind because you can't celebrate. I always go back to. You can't ever celebrate a play. Like if you think if you're rooting for a team, you have to wait. You have to just wait and look around and just please nothing. Is there a flag? This what could be wrong? What did somebody do? And it's become that way. I here is my only thing I'm going to say about I hate. I would love if there's a way just to have every pass interference call reviewed, like just like a touchdown or a score or a turnover. Just please just review it. Yeah, because it's game changing. They're just so game changing. They're as game changing as a turnover. So I, I that why, would be my why reason. isn't it? They just don't want to. They, they want the human error. Like you want human error. You think it's valuable to the product? Hey, Dean Blandino. I work with Dean Blandino in the XFL. Maybe we can get him on the show for a fifteen minute segment on officiating. Yeah, how funny we should please open invite bring him on. And how funny is it when they cut to like. Is it Terry McCauley? Mm -hmm. He's disagreeing. And, right. And you, uh, the, the Bills Giants game, it was like he immediately was doing the NFL's bidding. Like, oh, you can see, you know, sometimes they're going to let this go. And then Chris, even Chris Collinsworth is like, he's holding Darren Waller the entire yeah. route here. No, I saw him yesterday. He was disgusted by that. He was like, that is not was a he? Yeah. He said it. He was like, that is not a good for him. Hit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. Appreciate the, uh, I, the honesty I did like that, that he, I, I remember, I remember thinking good for him for saying that. Like, 
I think I had the announcers muted yesterday watching that. Oh, I, I just have Red Zone on. Um, I heard that on a uh, – oh, I know what it was. Um, it was on a Red Zone. It was on a Red Zone clip because yeah. it was a big replay. Oh, yeah, so we apologize. I mean, it's not fun to talk about just this big old wart on the shield. I mean, that's what it is. It's just – it's like the shield is just covered in warts. It's not fun. It's disgusting. Just got to zap it somehow. <laughs> it's going to take like a big snapback. People, I think the NFL just has, we say it a million times, you just got to own, own the danger, own the violence, own the physicality. It's inherent to the game. You're never going to make it a safe game. Maybe you can make it safer, but you did make it safer 10, 15 years ago. Another reason everybody should get the blood and guts why tight ends say football mm. in light of national tight ends day because at least that's one position where what makes football great is thriving all right jim that was fun as much as it can be fun when you're discussing the state of the bills and sean mcdermott and officiating and the pittsburgh steelers beautiful offense which it's mm. beautiful baby i love it bizarro world thanks so much everyone we'll uh, have a lot at the site all week, future weeks. Greatly appreciate everybody out there reading, subscribing, uh, and share with a friend. We, we'd love it if you shared with a friend. That's how we keep this thing growing. And when it comes to the podcast, of course, we're fueled by our friends at Fatty Beer Company, Orchard Park, Hamburg, Downtown, Tonawanda, Kenmore. They're all over the place. Get in there. Get your seasonals. Get your, your pumpkin or the like. They'll have anything you want if you live here in Western New York, which... Bills fans might be getting to that point. We need a little alcohol to numb a loss like that. So it's there for you. Thanks so much, everyone. Mm -hmm.